to listen to the earth, the Gone West show, the brand new Gone West podcast, bringing you interviews with inspiring people on subjects we feel passionate about. From tree planting to community development, reforestation to creative collaboration, carbon capture to social justice, and so, so much more. For every subscriber we get, we plant a native tree alongside our Plant and Protect project partners and communities across the globe. So if you like what you hear, don't forget to sign up using the link in the description to get more content and more native trees in the ground. Today I have with me on the podcast Grian Kutanda. Grian co-founded Extinction Rebellion Spain and organised the People's Climate March in Edinburgh in 2014. He has a PhD in Educational Sciences from the University of Granada, a Master's in Innovation and Research in Education from the National University of Distance Education, and a degree in Psychology from the University of Valencia. He is also the founder of the Avalon Project and the Earth Stories Collection, a collection of traditional stories from around the planet. On this episode, we discuss the interrelationship between spirituality and activism, and how what is needed for system change is a worldview change. So, let's get started. Grian, can you please tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do, and why you do it? Uh, first of all, uh, please, apologies for my bad English. Um, I will try to, to, to make the best of my English, okay? How can I summarize uh, who am I? I am a, a mystic in some way uh, who tries to be coherent with uh, their own uh, inner experiences. In this way, I have, I have done a lot of things in, in my life. And I can say that in 1979, I, I decided to, to dedicate my life to, the, uh, to make a better world to get that the world w was uh, better in the moment when, when I left this world. Uh, and then I, I, I tried to, to make this uh, commitment in many fields. I was a clinic psychologist, an educational psychologist, a radio broadcaster in the 90s. Uh, I have written, written 16 books, uh, maybe the, the, the bestseller, <laughs> I can see is the gardener. It, it was uh, translated to uh, twelve languages. I I felt that uh, I needed to to make uh, some kind of contribution, more more uh, physical contribution. Even um, then, uh, I, I was uh, I, I I go into the activism. Um, I, I wrote I wrote a book, The Rose of Peace, that was uh, the foreword uh, was made by uh, Dr. Federico Mayor Zaragoza, who was the director general of, of UNESCO between 1987 and 1999. And from this moment, I started uh, an activist uh, way in my life. Uh, then I was in the in 2011. Um, in the Indignados movement, who was the forerunner and the inspiration for Occupy Wall Street, Indignados movement in Spain. Then I was, as you have said, in, in the People's Climate March in Edinburgh, uh, and then in, in Extinction Rebellion from uh, 2018. I have been in, in, in even in uh, XR Global Support. And uh, I don't know, I made a, a lot of things in my life, 
but uh, maybe my last campaign, uh, this uh, the last year was uh, maybe the the most international in some aspect. It was during the the Extinction Rebellion Earth Fast uh, campaign in August and September uh, 2021, uh, in which Karen Killing, a, a woman from Ireland living in uh, Ibiza, and I held the longest uh, hunger strike in the world in this campaign against climate change. We were uh, 33 days uh, in hunger strike until we uh, got a meeting with the vice president of the government in Spain, uh, Teresa Rivera. Who am I? I don't know. Uh, maybe the best uh, definition is maybe I am a, some kind of a mystic trying to, to do the best to, to make a better world. Why I do all this? Uh, I don't know. I, I do what my soul is asking me. Wow. Thank you so much for that introduction, Graham. It's really wonderful to hear all the ways in which you've applied yourself and to hear how passionate and driven you are about all the things that you do. I wanted to know a little bit more about the Avalon Project, which you founded. Can you tell us what it is and what the aims of the project are? Uh, the Avalon Project is an educational and activist NGO. It is uh, our objective is, is uh, to, to help to contribute to build a culture of peace as was uh, established by the United Nations in September uh, 1999. Uh, in fact, we have a, a Federico Mayor Zaragoza, the, the former uh, UNESCO's uh, uh, Director General, is uh, the, the honor, honorific, I don't know in English, is honorific, honor, honorary president in, in Avalon. And we are working in three lines. Um, one of them is education for peace and sustainability. We are working on the on the base of ecopedagogy, ethics of care, deep ecology, among other lines. We have been doing workshops. We have been organizing international conferences, and even experiences in community living with our volunteers. Uh, and now we are working a lot with stories, stories, but not any kind of stories, just stories uh, which are capable to change our world. We need to, to change our worldview in order to change really our civilization. Uh, we think, that, uh, I can explain this, we think that uh, the worldview is the first step and, and probably the quickest uh, way to change our civilization, to, to get a sustainable uh, civilization and more peaceful, non-violent civilization. The second line of uh, the Avalon project is uh, deep activism. Deep activism because we are based on deep ecology, uh, the deep ecology movement uh, by uh, Arne Nice. Uh, what means this uh, deep activism? The, uh, this means that we, are looking for a deep change through deep experiences uh, and in, in, in order to get a deep commitment. Uh, maybe in some, uh, in some moments we can say about 
not just a deep activism, but even a spiritual activism. And finally, our third line in the, of work in the Avalon project is the storytelling activism. Uh, we are working with the Earth Stories Collection, and we are working with a, a global network of storytelling activists, uh, which is the Earth Storytellers. Uh, it's mainly the, the work that we are doing in this moment. Hmm. I was reading a little as well about deep ecology, and it's a very interesting concept. Could you unpack it a little bit more for our listeners? So what does this deepness mean? Where does it come from? And, and how can deep ecology help us? I'm not, not an expert in, in deep ecology, uh, but I can say that uh, deep ecology, uh, the deep ecology movement and the concept is, is uh, based on the uh, ecosophy by Arne Nies. Arne Nies was a philosopher uh, and, and mountaineer. He was a professor at the University of Oslo in Norway. And uh, he established uh, deep ecology in contrast with uh, shallow ecology. He said that uh, shallow ecology uh, seeks small reforms uh, in the social system without changing, really changing values and customs. So he said, no, we need something more deep in order to preserve nature, to preserve our planet. We need something uh, deeper. Then uh, he uh, established the deep ecology uh, philosophy and, and movement. Uh, deep ecology looks for a deep change in persons in, and in their relation with the environment. Uh, it's similar uh, to the idea that I explained before about deep activism, is to look for deep changes in order to get deep, uh, a deep commitment. Uh, deep ecology is not based in argumentation, but on contemplation in, in nature. Uh, deep, uh, the philosophy of deep ecology is the result of uh, uh, profound intuitions obtained through uh, long periods of immersion in nature. Uh, one example of the tenets uh, of the deep ecology uh, philosophy is that all living beings have intrinsic value, irrespective of its usefulness to human beings. This is one of the main uh, tenets of deep, uh, the deep ecology uh, philosophy. Yes, it's, um, it's very important to look at our conscious relationship to our world when we're thinking about activism. So I'm really awestruck by the work that you're doing to bring to light not only physical activism such as hunger strike or protest, but also the spiritual activism and the deep activism and how they all sort of interweave with one another. Could you tell me a bit more about spiritual activism? Um, what, what does it really mean? And yeah, is it a personal form of activism or a collective one? In fact, I have been... Uh proposing in, in my research, even in my PhD uh, thesis, I have been proposing a transpersonal uh, approach to this uh, worldview shift in our civilization. I think that, uh, and I justify in, in my research, in my research as a socialist scientist, I justify that uh, we need to change our worldview in order to get uh, the necessary change in our civilization to get a, 
a sustainable and non-violent civilization. Then it, this means a, a, a change in, in perception, a, a shift in perception that uh, must have a transpersonal nature. I am not saying this. I am not the only one saying this thing. Uh, Gregory Bateson, a British man who was uh, in the United States uh, as he was an uh, anthropologist, uh, a cybernetist, linguistic. Uh, he was uh, a professor in the University of Stanford. Gregory Bateson said that we need a perception, perception shift uh, in, of a transpersonal nature in order to, to get this kind of civilization. And not only uh, Gregory Bateson said this, uh, Donella Meadows, Donella Meadows was the author of The, the Limits uh, to Growth, was the first uh, warning about uh, that we were going to a civilizational collapse. He was working as an expert in systems uh, dynamics for the MIT. And she said, that, uh, both uh, Gregory Bateson and Donella Meadows, uh, they said they agree that the easiest and quickest ways to change uh, a societal system as our civilization was first, a worldview change, a paradigm change, but better than this, even, even better, transcending paradigms. And Donella Meadows said even Donella Meadows, a, a very e expert in, in, in systems dynamics, said textually, it is to let go into not knowing, into what the Buddhists call enlightenment. Then, uh, increasingly, uh, there are increasingly more and more scientists, social scientists and naturalist scientists, saying that we need a spiritual approach to avoid, to avoid the extinction of our species. So this spiritual approach or emphasis on a worldview change also presumably leads us to or motivates us towards even a physical environmental activism. Um, could, you, could you touch upon that, the, the kind of importance of physical environmental activism? What power does environmental activism hold for you? And what motivated you to become involved in Extinction Rebellion in particular? Well, I think that uh, environmental activism and social activism are uh, the only hope for humanity in this moment because governments and, and markets are not, uh, are not doing what they, they should do in order to avoid the collapse of civilization. Not just the collapse of civilization, the collapse of the uh, ecosystems, which is uh, worse. Then I think uh, uh, activism is uh, really needed in this moment in the world. Um, I don't know if we can uh, get uh, our, uh, our objectives in this uh, way, but uh, we need to try it. Uh, anyway, I, I can say that I think it's not enough, the uh, outer activism. I think it's not enough. Because uh, what I said before about the worldviews, uh, Donella Meadows and, and Gregory Bateson, among others, 
say that uh, the quickest way and easiest way to change our civilization, to get a really sustainable and non-violent civilization was a worldview shift and better, uh, bet even better, uh, a transpersonal uh, change. Even in the activist world, we have many, many, many people who have a modernist worldview. This worldview has been uh, the worldview that has uh, led, uh, led us to this critical point in, in the history. Uh, we need to change worldviews even inside the activist um, uh, social movements. Then, about what motivated me to, to get involved in, in XR, I was in the People's Climate March in, in 2014 in Edinburgh, and I made uh, I was one of the main organizers in, in that uh, campaign. And uh, one of my friends there was Aaron Thierry. I saw a, a post from him in, in Facebook. And uh, I was, whoa, what is this? He is, Aaron is in Extinction Rebellion. What is this Extinction Rebellion? A few days after, I, I learned that on, on 18th November, I learned that Extinction Rebellion have blocked uh, five bridges in London. And I said, wow, what is this? What is Extinction Rebellion? They are doing really <laughs> noise. They are doing a, a good noise. And I said, okay, I, I want to be part of this. And I involved with me in Extinction Rebellion. And I was one of the six persons in Spain who... Uh, who started, who launched Extinction Rebellion in Spain. Then I was also a, a prime mover in Extinction Rebellion Mexico. And I helped to create Extinction Rebellion in Brazil, in Argentina, in Chile. I don't know, it was just, wow, this, maybe this can work. This can be uh, useful to, to get the change in our humanity. But I insist not only outer activism, we need a worldview change, a really deep worldview change. Huh, it's amazing how international Extinction Rebellion has become now too, with people like yourselves picking it up and, and spreading it on to these other countries um, or, or kind of giving it a voice in these other countries. And if we can use that as a platform to to spread that worldview system change that you talk about, then... Yeah, that's amazing. I was thinking about COP, the Conference of the Parties, and the most recent COP26 in Glasgow, um, in which there was a lot of input from Extinction Rebellion and a big focus on marginalised voices, especially on Indigenous ones. But also, on the flip side, there was this kind of huge environmental and resource costing, to put it all together, um, to fly everyone in, to set everything up. And there was then a load of bureaucratic discussions um so i wanted to know about your thoughts on cop in general is do you find it useful can it or does it help the current climate crisis i am convinced convinced that the the cops are not useful are not useful because the markets are inside the cops, uh, the governments are inside the cops, uh, and, and the markets are uh, telling the governments what they uh, uh, have to do. Then 
the cops are not useful, I think. Uh, and I think maybe uh, a proof of this uh, of this uh, fact is that uh, uh, last year the, uh, there were three leaks from the uh, scientists of the uh, International Panel of Climate Change of the United Nations. There were three leaks. Uh, the, uh, the last one arrived to to a friend of mine. Arrived to to one of my mates in Extinction Rebellion Granada, uh, to Elena Gonzalez Egea, who is an astrophysicist. Uh, and these uh, leaks are saying something very clear, uh, which is that the scientists are terrified. The scientists are terrified and governments are not uh, taking uh, action. Then we have a problem in COP26. The best was the the indigenous peoples, the the, the beautiful people, uh, in in this uh, in the in this kind uh, indigenous activists. Uh, I think uh, they could not do much in the face of the big economic and political powers, but at least they are fighting. Uh, what needs to be done to get indigenous voices more heard? I think that uh, in in line with the the things that I have been uh, uh, explaining here, uh, what uh, what we can do for for uh, uh, her the indigenous voices is to abandon our modernist worldview. Uh, this is something that is saying a, a French philosopher, uh, Bruno Latour. Uh, he says that uh, this is the main problem, and and it's uh, even is uh, is curious because the modernist worldview is saying that we are democratic, we are um, we are open to all cultures, we are uh, uh, tolerant, we are uh, you know, but in in the end. The modernist worldview is deeply uh, ethnocentric, deeply ethnocentric. Why? Because we are we are thinking in 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 the deepest level. We are thinking that our culture is the best culture, our culture is the the most advanced culture in the history, and then we are thinking that the people of uh, traditional cultures, indigenous peoples, they are some kind in a primitive and not civilized uh, uh, way of life. Then we have this uh, contradiction in, in our uh, democratic and tolerant and multi-diversity, uh, you know, because we are deeply ethnocentric. Then the first thing to hear the voices of the indigenous peoples is to be humble to be humble and to recognize that they are wise peoples, very wise peoples. Not, not only this, their culture is wiser than ours. And yesterday, just yesterday in, in The Guardian, there was a, um, the title of the news was Protect Indigenous People's Rights or Paris, uh, Paris Climate Goals Will Fail, says report. And, and then says, 
rainforests looked after by communities absorb twice as much carbon as other lands, analysis shows. What means this? This means that traditional cultures, indigenous peoples, uh, they, they are wise, wiser than, than, uh, than us because they have been protecting, preserving their environment better than us. Who is wiser? If we see this in form, this report, who is wiser? Who is more advanced? I think is, is very clear. We need to be more humble. Uh, we need to respect the indigenous peoples and we need to listen them. And this really is also a massive facet of what you're doing with the Avalon Project and the Earth Stories Collection um, is to champion those voices. I want to ask a question now about current events in Ukraine. How is the war here and in other places um, affecting our ability to focus on on an eco-centric worldview? It is clear that... uh... There is the downside of any war. The death and destruction toll is enormous, it's gigantic. Leaving aside this, because this is something that is in any war, in this moment is, is, is a big problem also for the environment, because the, any war is a problem in any war in, in the 20th and 21st centuries. It's a problem for the environment also because it's destruction of woods, poisoning in rivers. I think there is an, an upside uh, thing in all this uh, war in, in Ukraine. It's too hard to say that uh, there is uh, an upside uh, in this thing, but people is uh, realizing the importance of systems because they are saying that uh, our 2,000 kilometers away or 7,000 kilometers away is affecting their lives. The fascism is, is growing also, above all in, in Europe. And this is for me uh, really worrying. Maybe if we can get this idea that uh, everything is interconnected, and the bad things uh, that happen for other people are affecting us in one way, in one way or another. Maybe we can avoid even uh, fascism and uh, maybe we can start to uh, understand the refugees uh, problem, not only the Ukrainian refugees, but also uh, from Syria, from uh, Africa countries, Maybe we can get a change in all this nightmare. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it seems that understanding and standing together can be the key here to overcoming such atrocities such as war. So we're coming to a close now, and I'd like to ask you a few quick fire questions. It's something that we're doing every month on the podcast. And the aim here is to answer in just one word, or at least as few words as possible. How do you feel when you spend time in a forest? Brothers and sisters. I'll say two words, and if you could fill in the next word. Nature, connection. Mysticism. (laughs) And can you sum up with just a word, or as few words as possible, 
how are we going to combat the current climate crisis and the, the current state of the world? I will say two words. Indomitable will. Why? When, when in September last year, uh, we made the, the 33-day hunger strike, I remember that it was a moment when the vice president said that uh, she, has, she had not time. She had to go to Brussels to a meeting and said, no, uh, I will be there four days. And Karen and me said, okay, we will wait you for four days more. We are uh, ready to, to be in hunger strike. Uh, four days more, seven days more, whatever. Then I remember that in that moment, someone uh, tell me, <clears throat> there is a, a sentence of Gandhi, uh, uh, which said, strength does not come from physical capacity. It comes from an, an indomitable will. And I said, yes, yes, that is the, the way. That is the way for activism. That is the way for all the people who is trying to avoid the civilizational and ecosystems collapse. We need an indomitable will. We get, we got the meeting with the vice president, but it was because our indomitable will. Then uh, we need this, we need to be Okay, uh, you say that, okay, wonderful. I will be in the same position. I will uh, fight once and again and again and again. I think it's our, it's our, our best option in, in this uh, fight against the, the climate crisis and, and the extinction of species. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's absolutely it's this indomitable will and this perseverance and the willingness to to push and to keep going. I really enjoyed speaking to Graham today and his activism and his work is truly inspiring. I hope that it's inspired you too. If you want to take a look at Graham's work, you can find the Avalon Project online at avalonproject.org. And if you go to theearthstoriescollection.org, you can read and download completely for free a repository of myths, legends, fables and folk tales from cultures all around the planet. Thank you for listening. And remember, subscribe, plant a tree. Mm -hmm.